0: You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. I say I got your back, but really the idea is that we're supposed to have each other's back. So this isn't about me having your back. It's about us as a church saying, we got your back. I got e- we, we got each other's back. We're on each other's six. Uh, we're there to support each other, encourage one another. I think about... The, the great illustration of, uh, you know, the shield of faith. We were talking about faith earlier, the shield of faith. And those, they, they remember, they were picturing those Roman legions and those Roman soldiers. And it's a beautiful picture. Uh, you could uh, also look this up online and just look up the image. But those, uh, those, those shields would be, you know, pretty big shields. And the cool thing is, is they were all interlocking. And so when they were uh, facing the enemy, they would lock their shields together, and they would become a solid wall. And so you'd have the ones in the front up here with their shields all locked together. And then on top of that, you would actually have another one, the, the soldiers behind them would then have their shields down locked on top of the ones in the front. And so they could just withstand an onslaught as they together. See, it's not just us. Some people, some people get this idea that we, we're just out there with this shield all by ourselves. No, we're together. we got your back. We're supposed to be looking out for each other. And I want to consider these verses tonight, they're beautiful verses, but we're going to deal with one particular topic tonight, especially since we don't have a ton of time tonight, uh, but I do want to deal with uh, just a couple of verses and then one particular example of having one another's back, even though this first one don't sound like it's having we'll see. Uh, verse number 14, the Bible says, now we exhort you, brethren. Warn them that unruly comfort the feeble minded weak patient toward all men see that none render evil for evil unto any man but ever follow that which is good both among yourselves and to all men he's exhorting us and i like that word exhort it literally means uh, to to call near to come alongside to call for it it, it carries the idea of providing help to someone. But, he, but he's, he's saying, okay, hey, come here a second. Come here. I got something to say. I, I'm exhorting you with something. This is for you. You ready? Warn them that are unruly. Comfort and strengthen. Uh, let me read it rather than trying to misquote it. Uh, comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. So comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient toward all men. See that none render evil for evil unto any man but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Uh, you know, there, the, the, the apostle is focusing on some obstacles to spiritual growth. And, and man, I thank the Lord that, we, that this church is growing. And you know what I've been grateful for, too? Even during some of the, uh, there's not been a lot of these times, but there's been some, some times where it seems like, well, it doesn't seem like we're growing much numerically. There We can have those times as well. But you know what? I still rejoice that we're growing. Why? Because it's not just about numerical growth. It's also about the individual's growth. Right, girls? Hello? It's right, it's about the the spiritual growth of, of, uh, of each of us. So it's not just about numerical growth, it's about growth growing together. And then we grow numerically as well. But he talked about some struggles and identified some struggling sheep that the healthy sheep needed to have their back, needed to encourage, needed to help along. And tonight we're going to talk about the first one, which is the wayward sheep. The wayward sheep. But then also the worried sheep. That's who he speaks of there when he speaks about those who are feeble-minded. It talks about those who are worried. So we need to encourage the worried and and, and help them to have more courage, faith, boldness, and confidence. In other words, we need to have the backs of those that are worried. And we'll have to talk more about that next week. Um, But then also, we need to help the weak. Help the weak. Uh, who need to be more disciplined. We need to help the weary some. It goes on to say that we need to comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, strengthen them. We got their back. We got your back. I need you to have my back. We need others to have uh, our backs also. Be patient toward all men. And so, uh, so we need, there's some that are weary who need to be encouraged as well and lifted up. So as we go through these verses, we're going to be looking over between this week and next week about having your back. But tonight, we're going to focus on one that initially may not sound like it has to do with having your back. First of all, though, I want to point out a couple of things. Verse number 14 again, now we exhort you, and what's that next word? Brethren. So therefore, who's it talking to? That doesn't dismiss the sisters, okay? Who's it talking to with the brethren? Those that are saved. Yeah, it's talking to people that are saved. Um, And so that's important because if you remember verses 12 and 13 especially, he was talking about the relationship between the pastor and the church. And he was saying, okay, pastors, here's your responsibilities toward shepherds. And that's what pastor means. Shepherds, here's your responsibility toward the sheep. Sheep, here's your responsibility toward the shepherds. But now he's saying, okay, sheep, here's your responsibility one toward another. Because here he did not say, okay, now, elders, pastor, bishop, whatever, he didn't say, hey, you need to warn them. You need to comfort them. You need to encourage. These verses aren't talking to the pastor. Now they are in the sense that I'm hopefully a brother also. Hopefully I'm saved. So, but, but it's not as my role as a pastor that these are being addressed. This is speaking to you and to me. So the I got your back wasn't me as a pastor trying to get up here and say I got your back. It is saying that should be the attitude of the church. I've got your back. I've got your back. I'm going I'm to gonna help warn you when you're wayward. I'm going to help encourage you when you're worried. I'm going to help give strength to you when you're weak. I'm going to uh, help carry you along when you're wearisome, and I'm counting on you to do the same thing for me, right? Uh, because, uh, you know, the, the, the great hymn writer once wrote a song called Lean on Me. That wasn't a hymn writer. But, uh, but you know, you, you find somebody to lean on. Why? Because there's going to be a time when you need somebody to lean on, and that's kind of uh, the basis of kind of what's going on there. So the first thing we see is someone's being called to action here. Somebody needs to have somebody's back. And the people who are called to action are you and me. The apostle zealously and eagerly encouraged the brethren, the spiritually healthy believers, to get involved in helping the needy. All right, so who's called to action? The church, each, of, each every individual. This is So this is us, this is you. What are we called to do? And then I've, I've said that already, what are we called to do? We're called to warn, comfort, support, be, bait, be patient, uh, be magnanimous and I'll tell you more about that later, and follow good. All right, so the very first thing, and the one thing we're going to deal with tonight is the first one, and I want to get your reaction to this. The very first thing he said, so he says who, and he says what, but then he says exactly what we're supposed to do as far as having each other's back, and the first thing he says is what? Warn. Warn. So we're supposed to warn those that are unruly. Warn those that aren't following the rules. Warn those that are out of line. Now, there again, I want to pause. Because who's he, who's he telling to do this? The church, the brethren, the brothers and the sisters. So I want to get your initial reaction about that. Because you're, I mean, I think if we're honest, it's like, okay, so everybody in here is supposed to be helping, the, you know, to, uh, what, what was the word that it used? Uh, everybody in here is supposed to be. Warning the unruly, saying, hey, basically, because think about this. If I'm warning somebody that's out of line, that means I'm coming to them and in some form or fashion saying, you're out of line. Now, what business do any of you have to go to the next one and tell them they're out of line? That's that's what I'm talking about, right? I mean, that, that's a good question. Uh, you say, well, I don't want, it ain't nobody's business whether I'm out of line or not. You know, that's my own business and I certainly don't want somebody just randomly in the church and and I might take it from you, Pastor, but I'm sure not just going to have any old body coming up to me and warning me. But I think what what I want to do, try to do for the next little bit is talk about what this really means, okay? How are we to warn? Now this is important. How are we to warn? So, for one thing... If, if, if you've got some kickback to this idea, you've got a problem, don't you, a little bit. Because you've got to say, okay, well, God is the one saying that somebody else in the church ought to be warning another person when they're unruly. And so if we don't like that, we need to say, okay, God, help me to like it. But I think if we understand it more, we can like it more, okay? But what does it mean to warn? Warn, I'll just say right away, warn does not mean, warn does not mean to be judgmental or critical, or it doesn't mean to be in a superior manner. Rather, it is the caring kind of warning against danger. Warn means to put in mind, and to put in caution or rem- or reprove gently. I'll say that again. This is the word I looked up uh Chad Noel Webster looked up the Greek to help get his English definitions. But the Greek word, uh, the Greek word, the the way it's defined for warn is to to reprove, to to put in mind, to caution or to reprove gently. Words like comfort, support, patient, good helps us to emphasize the spirit that we're to have toward one another. So when you look in these verses, those are some of the, these two verses. You see these words, so it shows the spirit of these verses. So let's say right away, and we'll say more about it. So I won't say too much. But this isn't talking about judgmental. This is not talking about you know you know I got up here tonight and I read one of the teams that we're trying to get together, the prayer and the care team to you know define and refine and define and refine and so forth. But uh, but but I am not trying to get the um, the, uh, the, the the unruly team. The uh, you know, I'm, I'm not trying not the unruly team. I don't want to get that team for sure. I am not trying to get the warning team. Pastor, can I be a part of the warning team? And can I have like a vest or something? And and you know maybe a little baton, maybe a whistle. How about a whistle and a badge? You know, citizens arrest, citizens arrest. You know, I saw you. I'll never do that again. God forgive me, but. Uh, but, but I saw somebody, you're not doing right, Oof, and you're not doing right, and this one's not doing right. And I know some of you are disappointed now that you found out that's not going to be uh, one of the uh, ministries here. But that's not what it's talking about, okay? He is talking about warning. And so to warn, uh, who are we to warn? Uh, let's look at that again. I've already said a little bit about that. Who are we to warn? We're to warn the unruly. And I'm calling these the wayward just for the sake of alliteration. The wayward, the unruly. It's really a military term which means unarranged or insubordinate. Uh, This word often occurred in a military context and referred to a soldier who was out of rank and behaved in a disorderly or insubordinate manner. The word came to refer, refer to anyone who did not perform his duty or follow through on his responsibility. Uh, and again, I, I, I told you that I I use the Webster's 1828 dictionary regularly too. I don't I don't remember to mark what, what I'm getting from which which source on some of these definitions. But the unruly were those who were out of step with the direction of everyone else uh, that that everyone else was headed, such as those who failed to serve the church with spiritual gifts. Um, uh, support the church uh, in, in its ministries other believers are to come alongside them and warn them or admonish them and the word there again the word the word carries the idea of trying to put sense into somebody's head or to alert him of the serious consequences of their actions so you're still not feeling any better about this warning business right uh, okay, well I still don't want somebody coming up, but but the, but the idea is of brethren caring enough about each other to approach each other. But how do we do it? How do we do it? The Bible has a lot to say about it. more than I can say about it tonight. If you have time, look look in the book of Galatians with me. That's just a few pages to the left, well, quite a few pages. but Galatians chapter 5, Galatians 5 in, the, in verse 26. Galatians 5 and verse number 26, uh, the Bible says, Let us not be de- desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. Chapter 6, verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual restore such an one, how? In spirit of meekness, meekness. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. So the considering thyself idea comes from a deep examination of oneself. And it talks about a constant examination of oneself. And so it carries the idea of you don't come to somebody as if you're some kind of Mr. Spiritual, got it all figured out. You do it in a sense of, hey, brother, can, can we have lunch maybe? Can we talk? Can we spend some time together? I've got some concerns. I'm praying for you. Uh, may, maybe, and it may be start, maybe it even starts with just trying to build a relationship with this person. I've been convicted before as a pastor, but also just as a church member, because remember, if this is our job, I'll, I'll say this. I am very hesitant to try to correct somebody. If so, so just say that I need to correct uh, you know, Chad on something. There's something I really need to address with Chad. And I'm just like, oh, man, something's come to my attention. You know, he's unruly. So we're all going in this direction, and Chad's going off with this direction. And, uh, man, this this is detrimental to his home. It's detrimental to the church. Uh, I'm concerned about my brother. Uh, I'm going to lovingly talk to him. But the first thing I have to ask myself is this. I I need to talk to Chad. But then I stop and ask myself, when's the last time I've talked to Chad? Not when's the last time have I spoke to Chad. When's the last time I've invested and spent any time with Chad? So before I even think I'm going to approach him and say, hey, can you come back here to my office or something like that, it's going to be, you know what, I I need to invest some time. I need to um, work on this relationship and and just kind of get together, you know, get get close with one another, Uh, you know, let him know I care about him, see where he's at. Maybe he'll open up and maybe we can talk and figure things out. In other words, just because the Bible says that we're to warn those that are unruly, it does not, you'll find out in a minute, it does not just mean coming up and jumping up in somebody's face. And I've really already said that because it means to uh, gently. It talks about the spirit of meekness. In other words, it doesn't always have to be a direct uh, attack, if you will. An attack's not the right word, but you'll see in a minute why I said that. All right, so considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. I'll tell you this. I know one way, if I'm going to warn somebody, it's going to have to be something like this. A lot of times it might be this. Hey, I'm concerned about you because I can see some things that I, going on in your life that I've seen in my life before. Things I've dealt with, things I've struggled with. See, I'm considering myself, uh, lest I also be tempted. But then he goes on to say, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. A couple things. Just Just being here on on our service times, you can get people's burdens. Uh, You really can. But one of the things we're really focused on this year is trying to spend a little bit more time. And again, whether it's officially organized, hey, on this third Saturday of the month, we're going to try to do this with with, with everybody that wants to get together. Or whether it's just reaching out to somebody you've never spent some time with before and saying, hey, can, can we spend a little time together? I'd like to get to know you a little bit better. And there, a lot of times, that's when we are really able to share one another's burdens. How many people carry burdens that they're not really comfortable saying, hey, it's Wednesday night, y'all pray for this burden I'm carrying? Now, there's some people, they'll tell you everything, and they'll give you the medical reports, you know. Um, but there's others that are just like, oh, no. But if we're one-on-one, maybe, they, maybe, maybe we build a relationship, we begin to build some trust, And then we're able to bear one another's burdens as we open up. I mean, taking time for each other. So, But he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if any man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. So if you're thinking about going around talking to somebody, I'll tell you this right now, considering my own self, there's been some times, whether I've been approached by somebody or whether I've begun to think about approaching somebody else, Dan, I've thought to myself, you know what? My front porch is a mess. And before I, before I decide I'm going to mosey over and talk to Dan about his front porch, I'm not talking literal front porches, okay? I might ought to get mine cleaned on. Right? Uh, so so we're talking about a level of sincerity. So if any man think himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceiveth himself, but let every man prove his own work, and then, then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Let him that is taught in the the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And just the idea of that's a a lengthier section on if you see somebody that's overtaken in a fault, restore them in the spirit of meekness. You ever know somebody to restore a car, Irma? Working on a car, I think about Mike. How much care did he put in that uh, car he's working on? I mean, if you know somebody that's restoring something, maybe they're restoring a home, they're restoring an old car, it's not haphazard. It's not whatever. Man, there is care, and there is time, and there is thought and effort that goes into restoration. So when we restore somebody, when we're warning somebody, we're doing it with the spirit of meekness. Um, I think about this. We look at it this way. uh, Proverbs 21, verse 1 Oh, this kind of comes to the other side of it, okay? Uh, I'm going to come, I'll come back to Proverbs in just a moment. You can leave it, that's not up there anyway, but we'll come come to that in just a moment. What if you are wrongly warned or think you're wrongly approached? All right? So here we are, preachers up here preaching this crazy message, and and really I'm just preaching verse by verse through the Bible is what I'm doing. And I tell you, when I first read this, I'm like, huh, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, but but so I'm just looking at this. So what do you do if somebody all of a sudden does come to you and says, uh, "Hey, I, I'm I'm concerned about you. I've I've got a warning for you. I feel like you're out of line." And of course, I think as we've already disclosed, we're not going to come exactly speaking to each other in those way. It's going to be in, in in a in a more in a more gracious in a meek way. But what do you do? What do you do if somebody you feel like that you are being warned? And you think that you're either being warned incorrectly or being wrongly approached. What do you do? What would you say? But just not so sarcastic. (laughs) It sounds sarcastic to me. I'm picking on Deidre, okay? Uh, Thank you for your uh, concern. Uh, I'm picking on her. No, that is a good response, Deidre. I promise. Uh, uh, You're right, and I know you're not being sarcastic. But she, she is right. That's actually what, exactly about what I was going to say, Deidre. Here's what I was going to say react credulously. Credulously and graciously. So, the very first thing you do is you react credulously and graciously. Credulously means this basically, believing. In other words, I often call it giving people the benefit of the doubt. All right, credulously. I'm believing something. What am I believing? I'm believing, I'm not believing. Oh, I know what you're thinking. I I know what you're up to. You, You come around here trying to judge me. You come around. By the way, let me tell you something. I ought to preach another message sometimes about insecurity. Insecurity leads to a bunch of reactions. Insecurity leads to reactions like, you know, hey, how was your day? I can't believe he said that. Gosh, you know. Insecurities, man. People's a mess with insecurities. Right? By the way, if you're insecure, don't get up here and preach and look at and, and have to and have to endure the looks that you endure when you're up here preaching. I'll tell you that right now. You'd be thinking all kinds of things if you was up here, if you're insecure. But but that is right. So credulously, in other words, you say, where do you get that from? How about this? Charity. Charity is not easily provoked. How about this? Thinketh no evil. So charity doesn't think that this person person is approaching me in a pharisaical way. I don't think that at all. I'm not thinking that this person is being, and, and, and bear with me here a moment. So charity says that it thinks no evil. It also says that charity beareth all things, Believeth all things. Believeth all things. He said, Preacher, you misapplying those verses. I don't believe I am. Now, I know that there may be a deeper and more specific interpretation, and I am applying them in a sense, but I'm telling you, that's part of it. That's part of it. Believeth all things, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. So that's when I say credulously. Credulously. Hey, let me tell you, it's the thesaurus, okay? I can't even say thesaurus, ain't that funny? Uh, but seriously, I look at words in the thesaurus because I don't want to just keep saying the same word every time. Uh, and then i got to work on them and say, how do you say and all that. But, uh, but believe, believe. Now, here's another thing. If there's some guy that's just a big, fat jerk all the time, and you know he's a big, fat jerk all the time, and that's just like his M.O. And oftentimes it's Pastor Big, Fat Jerk. Okay, I mean, somebody once said that when somebody shows you who they are, believe them, right? And so that may be a different thing. And I just take that with a grain of salt. If it's it's sister better than you that's coming around, well, you know, I'm really concerned about the way you're raising your children, uh, that may be just something to be like, okay. Then you can say, thank you for your concern. (laughs) All right? But, but, but as a general rule, I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine someone sincerely approaching you like, brother, I've got a concern here, all right? So, uh, so, so react believably and also graciously. So about what I mean by graciously is just what I said, just what Deidre said. Hey, thanks for coming to me. Thank you for coming to me, all right? So react Credulously and graciously. Number two, respond inquisitively. Respond inquisitively, which is just simply to say, hey, can you help me to understand what I did, did wrong? What, why exactly is this wrong that you feel like you're, uh, what, what this is you're addressing me about? It may be a misunderstanding. It may be a verse taken out of context, Okay. So react credulously and graciously, respond inquisitively, reply humbly. Either explain yourself or maybe ask what they think you should do differently. And then lastly, return confidently. When I know that all things are good between me and the Lord, I can live with confidence and assurance. One of my favorite verses is 1 John 4:17, "Herein is love, herein is our love made perfect." That we, may, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Boldness in the day of judgment. So let me bring this back around. I am being, uh, I'm being warned, and I don't think they're right. But I'm going hand to handle it in a gracious manner, ultimately, is what I'm saying. But here's the thing. I'll just bring this to a silly illustration, and I know I use this a lot. There, I, I have friends of mine who literally think that I'm apostate today because I am preaching dressed like this. Because in Hezekiah chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Thou must preach in a tie and a suit, and you can look it up, Hezekiah 14, check check it out. Um, That's not in there. But that's what they say. So they're warning me. Jesse, worried about the path you're going down? Okay. Thanks, man. Hey, let me tell you something. Did you hear what I called these people? My friends, I've got some friends that are idiots, by the way, but they're still my friends, and, uh, and and I'll call them idiots to their face, and they'll call me a compromiser to my face, and it's all good because here's the thing, I'm not insecure about this, uh, you know what? Well, the way I'm dressed, okay? <coughs> ah. I'm not. In- <laughs> oh boy, uh, I'm not insecure about this. <laughs> um, why? So so so. How do I react to that? <laughs> Seriously. Um, it's these guys annoy me. These friends of mine, they annoy me. Okay, but I ain't mad. I support their ministries, I still want to hang out with them, I, I mean, I, I still want to see them, I still, I still want to spend time with them, I still want to eat with them, I love them, I love them, I love them. they're my friends, and uh, so, so, you say, so you say what, but but, but, how about this whole situation, well, I just say, you know what, here's where you have boldness, it's like, what, brother, I appreciate you praying for me, thank you for, but there again, let me, let me ask you a question, why do you think that, why do I need to do that? Brother, I tell you, anytime I've seen a guy that started blah, 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 and I like, yeah, yeah, okay, I appreciate your, can, can you give me some Bible? You know, like if, if this is something I'm actually compromising and, and going down there, can you give me some a chapter and verse maybe? Yeah, be not conformed to this world. Okay, buddy. Uh, it's like, you know, uh, whatever. But here's the thing, I said then to, uh, then I said to, not only to, Uh, the way we ought to react, the way we ought to respond, reply. But then I said return confidently. They can say what they want to say and it don't hurt my feelings. You want to know why? Because I've got boldness in the day of judgment. Here's what that means. I'm going to stand before God one day. And I'm okay standing before God dressed like I am tonight. I've not been the best parent by any means, by any stretch of the imagination but you want to judge my parenting, by and large, you know what? I, I, I'm going to be able to stand boldly before God. So, in other words, I can surely stand boldly before you. Right? See, see this is the confidence I'm talking about. Uh, you know, oh, pastor, I, why would you do this? Why would you do that? And it's like, it's okay. You can think this or that about me, but if I can stand before God, then I can stand before Sister Wagglejaws, you know. Uh, I mean, right? That's like okay, and and I can stand before you know the big Pharisee there, you know, the holier than thou, and all that. All right, man. I mean, why why am I worried about your judgment when I when I'm okay to stand before God? Um, that's a powerful place to get to, by the way. That's where you need to live your life, but but not based just on your own preference in the Word of God, knowing what the Bible says. Um. Lord have mercy. Um, I, I want to I I end with this, this last little thought here. And yes, yes, I know. Um, but number one, I want to just say this. There's a military strategy that has made its way into business and leadership circles. It's called the indirect approach. You ever heard of anybody, the indirect approach? However, before it was a military strategy... I submit to you that it finds its origins in the way of and in the pages of Scripture. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on the military side of this or anything, but, but the, or on the business side, the leadership side of this. But the idea of the indirect uh, strategy or indirect approach is if the enemy has all of its forces right here, and we know that, it's like, you know what? I don't think we're taking that head on. Let's try to flank that. You know, like uh, MacArthur, he said, you know, in 1950, he went into Korea, the, you know, and into uh, Incheon, I think I said that right, because the, the North Koreans and the Chinese did not think that he would go, that anybody would try to go into there because it was such a low success rate. So that's where he went. He didn't go, he flanked the enemy, basically. So from a military standpoint, there's a lot of flanking and stuff like that involved, okay? You say, what's that got to do with anything? What I'm talking about is this idea of of correcting somebody, of warning somebody. And here's here's what I want to just show you right quick. A couple couple principles behind that is this. Not attacking hardened positions head on. Not attacking hardened positions head on. Human nature does something. Human nature says, uh, if, if I come and push you, human nature is probably going to want to push back. Just automatically. You know, But so, so why do you want to come at somebody like that? Now, so it's adjusting our approach. Now, there a part of this, the way that's used in business and things of this nature, it gets twisted a little bit. Have you ever heard the thing, making people think it's their idea? I don't subscribe to that statement. That sounds manipulative to me. I don't, I don't subscribe to that. But it comes from the idea of an indirect approach. But here's the idea. Rather than making people think it's their idea, it's giving a person an opportunity to realize the truth. It's giving somebody the opportunity to to realize and recognize the truth. So we ask questions, and I'll say more about the questions in a minute. Because think about this. Accusations harden the will. Questions stimulate the conscience. So when there is a mind versus mind approach of warning, if you will, it's human nature to get defensive if we feel attacked. So accusations harden the will, questions stimulate the conscience. There's a guy that actually wrote a book. He wrote a book on 100 questions of Jesus that Jesus asked. And that's not all of them. Think of how many times questions are asked in the Bible. Because the point is, is it's not always accusations. You're this. It's more like, hey, let me ask you a question. And getting, and trying to get someone to think, trying to give someone the opportunity to, again, question, stimulate the conscience. Um, ask thought-out questions. Ask thought-out questions in this indirect approach. And it's a biblical pr- approach. And when I say a thought-out question, it is not that does not start out with, can I ask you a question? Why are you so dumb? Why are you so stupid? That is not the kind of questions I'm talking about because I know some of you are like, oh, I got some questions. Um, All right, and so uh, ask thought-out questions. And what this does is it allows for people to self-coach. Again, I I mentioned there's many questions asking through the Bible. What this does is it speaks to the motivation, the motive and approach. Someone says the motive is to speak the truth. So we're getting back to warning somebody. There's some people that love to speak the truth, right? So what if your motive is to speak the truth? And by the way, that obviously should be our motive. But that's, that's not where it begins and ends. Quit looking at my notes, Ralph. Um, that's not where it begins and ends, but that's exactly right. All right? Because speaking the truth, this is the people. you ever known these people? Are you these people? You might be and I'm not being critical. I'm just trying to encourage, hey, I'm warning you. I'm trying to get you to learn. You just want to come up and just stab somebody in the eyeball with a truth dagger.. Because uh! what do you do? I deliver the truth. You accomplished your objective. you deliver the truth. Because that was, your, that was your motive. Then you walk away justified. Why? Because you spoke the truth. Think about this. I spoke the truth. Yeah, but they bucked it. People bucked the truth. Don't misunderstand me here. But there's a certain approach that we can take. What is my motivation? To speak the truth, yes. But that's not all. They bucked it. So, so somebody, says, somebody says, hey, you went and stuck the truth dagger in their eyeballs. They bucked it. You know what you say? Not my problem. I accomplished the objective. I delivered the truth. They're devastated. They had to run off in another room crying. I just speak the truth, Pastor. I'm just a truth speaker. Uh, Okay, okay. Okay. So so you say, well, that's not my problem. You see, motive drives method. So here's an example of the right motive. 2 Timothy 2.25, this is still talking about warning each other. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. You are, listen to me closely, you are wrong. If you're speaking the truth and you're not me. You are wrong if you're speaking the truth to your brother, and as we'll see here in a moment, and it's not in love. And so you are wrong if you're speaking the truth and you are not considering yourself. So again, motive drives method. The right motive in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. So my, me- my motive is in meekness. Why? Lest God will help them, give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth. Preacher, I'm going to sweep their legs out from under them. I'm going to give them an elbow truth right in the face. And I'm going to do it till they get right with God. How's that working for you? I'm speaking the truth, man. I'm going to speak it to all you fools. Hey, you're wrong and you're down and you're a sinner and I. Is that encouraging people to repentance? No. And, and, and so so what are we doing? We're speaking the truth in love because I want to so my motive is not just to speak the truth it's to see some, see somebody repent. It's to see somebody get help. it's to see somebody get where they ought to be and where they can get in the place of blessing. So when my motive is right, my method is right. So look at my method now, Ephesians 4:15 but speaking the truth in love may grow up unto all things, which is the head, even Christ. We speak the truth and have people listen. We have balance. Now to many, some of you got a problem though. Preacher, that sounds like too much work. I just want to get up in somebody's face, shout them down, walk away and be like, "Mm." done, mic drop, truth bomb, deal with it. It don't seem very efficient. But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes the long way is the shortest way. The long way is sometimes the shortest way. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm done with this. You know another thing of this? Oh, I wrote it down, Dan. Um, here's another. I, I I could give you more proof text. And again, there's a balance here. I understand that. Uh, but but uh, Philippians 2, 3. The Bible says, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You want to know another example of the indirect approach? Another, you say, not really, preacher. I've been here way too long. Um, but, uh, but I'm just going to give you this one, and I'm done with this. How about this one? You ever heard of this one? Choose your battles wisely. You ever heard of this one? I'm not dying on that hill. Amen. Hey, there's some hills I've decided I'm not dying on. And there's some, I mean, somebody, this Bible is not giving people the permission to start getting the magnifying glass out and seeing all who they can warn. Ooh, 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 I think you did something wrong. Did did you just say that? Did I hear you say that? I used to to work with people like that. If they saw you breaking a rule, or started with the M, that one lady with the initial, I don't want to say it out loud, Marie. But, uh, that woman was generally a person that was just like, oh, man, I take them. But if you want to see her get happy, man, just do something wrong. Woo-hoo! Did you just do that? I'm awful. Y'all know me. Uh, I, t- I turned a piece of equipment around. How you wasn't supposed to turn it around. And, boy, right then she was coming in. She, she saw just the last little part of it it's coming around on that aisle, 16. Jennifer down at the end. And, uh, and, and, you and boy, you could just see her just glowing. Jesse, Jesse, did you just turn that order picker around in the middle of this aisle? You know what I said? That don't sound like me. <laughs> and I left it at that. But, but the point is, we don't need that. Amen. In other words, use your battles. Have the right motive in what you're doing. Care and love people, amen. Consider yourself. Hey, do you know what it is to get out of line? You know what it is to struggle? Remember that.